Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, it is a beautiful, beautiful, almost 70 degree weather I know. day here where we live in the beautiful Northeast. <laughs> How are you? How have you been playing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It is a beautiful day, and I, I was out playing with my dog a little while ago. That was wonderful. Um, and I'm doing pretty good. As far as I've been playing, a little bit of uh, mostly the same things, some new things, mm. mostly some Stardew, lots of Stardew, a little bit of Outriders, um, no Valheim. I haven't been playing a ton of Valheim. Um, me and D- our friend Dave got to kind of a spot where we have to just kind of go do the same thing again. And we're kind of feeling a little well done and we've been playing some more Outriders. So I don't know if we'll go back to Valheim or wait for it to get like worked on some more, some more stuff in there, but maybe go back to build some stuff. And then I've been playing Satisfactory, which is like a 3D Factorio type game. So it's oh. very similar to Factorio, but it's like 3D. So you're like it's a 3D world. It's a little more stylized, which is really fun. There's like more narrative there. Um there's some more cool wacky stuff. So um the a newest update just came out I'm really excited about. It. So I've been kind of spending free time doing work in that game, organizing and like setting up supply lines and and managing power systems and all that kind of fun stuff that I really enjoy. <laughs> um so that's been good. That and then Stardew and a little bit of Outriders is kind of been it. But yeah heard that there are some fans that are trying to make it so valheim is like multiplayer like a multiplayer like mmo-esque type, oh, type of game interesting yeah i was curious if you heard that i think that's i think it's what i read it was a while ago but i was very surprised um so i was curious what you thought of that like that they're was... trying to jam more folks into the world yeah it's yeah, so a more lively world yeah, yeah perhaps i mean i think the beauty of Valheim is you have this big, like, open world you can kind of explore. It could be really fun and interesting with a lot of people, but at the same time, like, it could get really messy. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I, I guess if people want, I, I bet it'd be really fun if there are people who want to do that on certain servers can, like, set up, like, a big PvP wild server, which would be really wild and fun, especially with, like, the physics of it all. And and, mm-hmm. and I could see there being, like, a Rust type thing. That'd be interesting, but um, I, I don't know if yeah. it's, it's not why I play, but I think a lot of people would really enjoy it. Right, yeah. I would yeah, I think it'd be very World of Warcraft, obviously. But you know, it'd be interesting for sure. I don't know how it would work. I feel like so many trees it would just be like a barren wasteland of supplies. Yeah. <laughs> no trees, no no stone, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing really good. Uh it's been crazy I feel like we say that every weekend. It's just it's true. It's just been working crazy. Um yeah. But as for what I'm playing, I mean, and my, my life is going very well. I'm very happy. I'm doing well, managing stress and all that good stuff. Got my, <laughs> gave myself a haircut. Very happy. So Looks good. Looks all the good, good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, as for what I'm playing, I'm still kind of just head over heels in love with Breath of the Wild still. Mm-hmm. I love it. That game is so good. I just get totally immersed in that game. There's uh times where i just get home and i turn it on and i've just been playing for two hours i'm like oh my god like where has time gone i meant to make dinner and and get ready you know get ready for bed and i'm just playing breath of the wild because it's just so immersive and mm-hmm. i'm still sticking to my plan from last time we talked i am not gonna be any of the any of the divine beasts mm-hmm. i'm just going after towers and uh <laughs> shrines and also so close to that master sword uh, I can't wait. So it's gonna be cool. I am excited to see if I can do it. If I can not, if I can beat the game without having to do the divine beast, and you know, I think it's tougher when you don't when you try to fight Ganon without the divine beast. But I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. We'll find out. It's a it's a process. So yeah. <laughs> but no, it's great. I love it. So that's that's all I've been playing. But I am looking forward, as of course, to Ratchet and Clank is coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. I, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. Revival and Pokemon Snap come out on the same day, mm-hmm. which is next Friday as our recording. Um, april 30th so 
I'm getting Pokemon Snap. Like, my partner and I already have decided I'm getting Pokemon Snap yeah. because that's a game we both love, mm-hmm. the original. I mean, uh, so just the idea of this new one is fantastic. But Revival looks so good. It looks yeah. so good. It's like that. It's like that weird monster Hades that I, game that I've always wanted to play that never knew I wanted. It. You know, it's it's it, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's everything. <laughs> Games I played and haven't played. <laughs> And as always, storygoers, if you would like to tell us your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives, you can email us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us or comment. Yeah, DM us and comment on our stuff, and we will happily read those on the show. And if you do send us an email or a comment or a DM, we will happily send you a Tales from the Cartridge sticker as long as you're cool with us having your address, but we'll never send you anything else. I absolutely promise you, I am way too busy to ever bother you again <laughs> besides giving you a, st- a sticker. So don't worry about it. I won't bombard you with stuff. Um, I, we hope that you enjoyed our last couple episodes of Star Fox Bedtime Story and our news DLC. As our, The DLC was kind of um, a new thing for us to try. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. To do. Yeah, it was fun to do. It, yeah, it felt like we were like having like a, it felt like a totally, not totally different, but it felt like just a different kind of podcast in a sense. But it was fun though. It was a nice break from our usual stuff, which is, which is good. So I hope we do that again soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. We got to make sure we read stuff too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so fully I was read. Really like, man, I should have read that through more. I was like, I just kind of assumed I need to read more. So, <laughs> but today, Ryan, you have done a beautiful job writing the script Thanks. for this episode. <laughs> Would you like to announce what that game is? Yeah. So, um, we put out a poll and pretty handedly Bastion, um, won the poll. People, people were really excited about Bastion and I can understand mm-hmm. why it's a really wonderful game and I'm excited to cover it. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, uh, I mean, you guys already know if you're a longtime listener of Tales from the Cartridge <laughs> that we love Hades. We absolutely love Hades. Uh, so Super Giant Games is just on the top of our list <laughs> of developers. Um, and Bastion is no different. Bastion's a fantastic game. Yeah, I haven't played cool. it in a long time personally, um, but I remember loving it, loving the art, loving the story. It's great. Really cool game. I mean, and we'll jump into the background. Why not? We're there. Yeah, let's do it. So Bastion was released in July 20th of 2011. It was developed and published by Supergiant Games um, with some support from Warner Brother Interactive Entertainment, um, written by Greg Cassavin, artist Jen Z, um, narrator Co- Logan Cunningham. We don't usually talk about the narrator, but that is such a key piece of this, mm-hmm. um, of this game. And we don't usually do awards. Should I do awards? That's not a thing we've usually done. You want to. Sure. It's, uh, it's our show. It's true. We can do whatever we want. Um, it's it's won a bunch of awards, um, like the best downloadable game, best score, best song in a game. The music in these in this game and in all of Supergiant's games are incredible. Um, their sound designer is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's Bastion. Do you want to dive the influences? Would you like me to? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in. Yeah, sure. So for influences for this game, uh, the, the team at Supergiant Games found influences from Diablo 2 and Viva Pinata. Weird combo. Not a combo <laughs> I expected. Uh, very strange. Uh, the music was found first when developing the game, and then the game itself, Fashion, was built around the music. Super cool. And you can see that, too. In all of their games, music is such a huge part of their games, which is so cool. The idea that they built this game around the music is just... that's. It's really inspiring. It's, it's, a, it's a, such a different take than most developers might have done for their games. That's very cool. The tone and music were inspired as like a 
an idea of a mixture between Carmack McCormick making RPGs, and, and, and Carmack McCormick is the author of No Country for Old Men and The Road. Uh, so they, I think the idea was uh, the composer and the sound designer kind of had this thought on their mind of what this music would be based on these two random things, <laughs> uh, and, and this is what we got from the music, which is super cool. Like, like what, a insp- what a weird inspiration, but it works. Yeah. Like That's just one of those weird things that like comes together when it totally shouldn't. Super cool. Super cool. Super giant. <laughs> yeah and the music in this game is like so incredible one of the things that i was like learning about this game is like you mentioned it, the music was found first like the music did not change throughout development even in the beginning when it was like sprites and like D monsters like moving around on a like the music was still like this epic incredible music like oh man guys we gotta change this so that's when they brought in some artists because like the music was so good and the the gameplay looked so bad for so long that they <laughs> needed to change things which is really interesting and the art is fantastic yeah. in Bastion and all of Supergiant games. Gen Z is a fantastic artist. I thought, before we started recording this, I was under the impression that Gen Z didn't have an Instagram. I love following artists on Instagram. Um, but then as we, like, as I just went on really fast. And, and Gen, Z, Gen Z does have an Instagram, so I've already, I just followed them. So I'm, I'm very happy. Like, their art is so inspiring. Uh, it's just super cool. So uh, Supergiant games is just such a special team, I feel like. It's just made of people who are just extremely passionate about their game. And I love that hades especially i don't know about bastion and transition and transistor and empire but i know for hades it, the team did not rush and have a lot of stress making their game uh which i think is an inspiration for other developers and granted Hades, you know bastion and hades are games that are not as well they're difficult to make don't get me wrong but it's not it's different i think in development than other AAA games you know than AAA games themselves so uh but regardless there was no crunch involved and everyone is having a much less stressful time making their games at Supergiant Games, which I think is super cool and inspiration for the video game industry, personally. So, But Ryan, what are your memories of Bastion? Yeah, so Bastion was a game, I th- like I talked about, I'd played years and years ago. Um, and it was really fun to go back and revisit because there was like, there was a, that tone I remembered that like the sound of the music and you rushing through this world that kind of like comes up around you and you've got these like cool weapons like that like right away yes I remember this the nuances of the story I kind of had forgotten it was really cool to go back and explore those and see at a new lens what those are like and after like seeing where they were with Hades and where they started from it was really interesting but as far as my memories I remember just this being a really wonderful lovely game like this kind of put Supergiant on the map when it came out people were really excited about it um and it's it's just a really wonderful game and it actually was recently on sale on switch um i think you had mentioned so if you if you'd missed out um check it out because it's 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 still a really fun game it's very cheap too i think it's like three dollars or something crazy i I think i forgot to download it and i need to so we'll do it after this (laughs) yeah boy i forget again but yeah what are your memories eric with bastion i i beat it i definitely beat it i don't remember a whole lot and actually i'm happy that i didn't really go into it too much i meant to look at this and kind of watch a gameplay vid again just to remind myself. But I, I didn't have time this morning. I was kind of busy with everything. But um, I'm kind of happy that it worked out that way. I'm excited to kind of revisit the story and, and relearn everything that happens. Um, I remember really liking it. And, it's, and again, like you said, it's so different. The world kind of pops up around you. You don't really know what to expect until it kind of reforms and, and shapes. And then you kind of understand, oh, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. And the artwork, again, is fantastic. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's a world that you just, I think I enjoyed just being in just how colorful and vibrant everything was. And um yeah no i think it's super cool and, and i keep saying super cool sorry <laughs> it's okay. uh, but it's it's a game i would love to go back to which they, you know it's on sale i think still so or maybe it's over i think in two days i think the 26th so when you're listening to this 
Actually, when you're listening to this, you might be able to still get it. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> it comes out tomorrow. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, or no, two days. Yeah, today. Two days, get it yeah. today. Today, <laughs> hurry. Run home. Are you working? Run. <laughs> you can just drive home. They're running home. I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but uh, Ryan, is there anything else you want to say before we jump in? Uh, I'm excited. That's all. I'm excited for basketball. Cool. Same, me too. I can't wait to. Do it. I will say right now, Logan Cunningham, the 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 narrator, the voice artist, the first actor. I'm sorry, that does the narrator's voice in this game is just absolutely fantastic. Does so many voices in all of Super Giants games, and just does a fantastic job. He's incredible. I, I am going to butcher the crap out of this, <laughs> Logan Cunningham. If you are listening to this, I'm sure you are because. Uh, Gabe Newell has probably recommended us to you, as as one would. We are the future He's voice building actors the of team. Portal 3. He's building like He's the Avengers-style <laughs> team. Us and him. Us and Logan. He's going to carry the crap out of us. It's fine. <laughs> Logan, I just want you to know, I, I'm trying my best, but uh, it's it's not going to be as good as yours. So, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a compliment, really, when you think about it. When you bust it, when you break it down. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. so uh, without further ado, let's just do this. Yeah, here we go. Proper story is supposed to start at the beginning. Ain't so simple with this one. Here's a kid whose whole world got all twisted, leaving him stranded on a rock in the sky. We see a small kid asleep on a pile of rubble floating in the sky. It used to be a park or a house. A stone doorway still remains. Some of the torn remnants of wood and boards, copper pipes. The child has white hair, adventuring clothes. He wakes up abruptly, heads towards the bastion. That's where everyone agreed to go in case of trouble. The ground forms up under his feet as if pointing the way. He don't stop to wonder why. He begins running, the only direction available to him. There's a stone bench and a shattered pot on the floor. The plant shredded and destroyed. He doesn't stop to inspect it. Finds his lifelong friend just laying in the road. A golden sledgehammer is floating in the middle of a small market. Well, it's a touching reunion. He clears the rubble of rocks and old stalls. He continues to the rippling walls. There's a large stone statue of a bull with four horns has cracks right through the base. Years of work undone in an instant, in the calamity. He continues deeper towards the rippling walls and spots a figure in the distance. Is that a survivor? No, ma'am. It's a gas fella, forced out from the underground. The gas fella's blue genie-like body swirls around to face him. He wears an orange hood, leather armor, and wields a pickaxe. Starts coming towards him. The boy dodges the gas fella and hits him with a sledgehammer. Kid pops him good. The gas fellow disappears, but not before getting a square hit on the kid. He continues onward, punching piles of rubble in frustration and confusion. There's a gun in the middle of the square. An old repeater falls out from the sky. Ain't a gift from the gods, but it'll have to do. Suddenly, there's a faint rumbling in the ground. A few small turquoise creatures pop up from the earth. A school of squirts tunnels up around him. Must have fled here from the mines. While fighting the squirts, you find a crystal barrette. Belonged to a girl he used to fancy. Throws it into his pack, just in case he needs it later. He fights the squirts one by one with the repeater... Circling and dodging their way until he reaches a stone door and slips inside. He sets foot inside one of the Caledonian's famous watering holes. It's dark. He spots an overthrowing basket of green apples lying on the ground. He finds his trusty shield in a pile of wood crates and shipping boxes. 
Inside's old Rondi the bartender. The calamity's got him before his drinking did. A gray figure stands, hands on hips, in front of some vials and wares. Suddenly, a torrent begins shooting at the boy. The security takes him for a petty thief. The kid uses his shield to deflect the shots from the turret. Clang. Shield saves his hide. When bags start turning up for last call. Explosive gray metal crates begin dropping from the sky. They explode open and gas fellas head towards him. The boy fights his way through the gas fellas. More squirts and a large tween-colored enemy that looks like a larger gas fella. He dodges and rolls and shoots his way into an open window. Flings himself out of it. It's a bit of a drop. He gets a good look at things on his way down. He lands on top of a beaker's bow, and it ain't broke. Crimson color bow is vibrating with energy and excitement. Finally out of danger, he takes this opportunity to get some target practice and reacquaint himself with shooting a bow. After getting a hang of it, he continues onward. There are turrets set up along the path. He manages to evade and destroy them. It begins to rain small droplets, which turn the beach sand dark beige. The pash is surrounded by lush tropical plants and palm trees. He continues on the wooden pier path. More turrets pop up start aiming at him. Doesn't help that more squirts also in the middle of the path. Luckily, he finds a tome and learns how to use a brand new move, which helps him get rid of these pests. The good news is the emergency defenses still work. The bad news is that they're aiming for the kid. He arrives at another gate, the shape of a bull, which parts ways and let him through. He finds the distillery, right next to the arsenal, tough part of town. These two buildings are still standing with clear signs above each door. He stops at the distillery to refresh his health, with a special drink, and the arsenal to make some adjustments to his weapons. He continues onward, fighting whatever is in his path, mostly squirts. Popcorn machine falls from the sky, begins popping out squirts. Pop! Little squirts begin popping out of the bin, angrily rushing towards him. Kid destroys all these machines and spots another gray shadow next to a lily pool, sitting serenely. That one was Murad the Tutor. Once taught the kid some... Once taught the kid good manners. He never used them, though. He makes his way to the final wharf. There's half a boat hovering in the sky. An old fairy barge sends the kid on his way. The bastion's real close now. More defensive turrets begin to fire at the kid. He deflects the best he can and hastily makes his way off the fairy barge. Fortunately, when the bird drops him off, isn't much safer. Gas fellas begin to emerge from their windbags and immediately begin lunging at him. There's a hole in the middle of the tile floor. Kid takes a chunk of alloy. Smell of barley and spoiled blueberries fill the air. It's something heavy. A precious alloy found deep underground. It's used for all manner of industry. The gas fellas seem to like to eat it as well. Scumbags arrive, attracted to the smell. They're large, blue tadpole-shaped creatures with orange construction overalls. They explode in a pool of blue goo. The floor begins to crumble underneath them. This area's old and doesn't appreciate all the damage from the scumbags. Pickaxes. In their attempt to kill the kid, he gracefully leaps over these holes in the floor, continues on to the next statue. The road becomes a colorful square tile, like the light-up of a disco floor. Kid finds the core of the wharf district. There's a blue light flowing in front of him. He steals the city's heart. Might as well. Suddenly, the floor goes dark, and the tiles begin to fall from the sky. The kid runs, dodging the turret blasts through the stone walls in his way. Kid has a feeling he'd better get a move on. The floor's quickly falling away behind him. See, that core kid took was the only thing making this particular rock stay afloat. He used to dodge, roll, and fight his way past enemies, making sure there's plenty of space between him and the last bit of fallen rock behind him. There's a silver and blue square at the end of the path. It's a skyway. It whisks him where he needs to go. Now the kid sees something stranger still. His mind races. The kid lands on a patch of green mossy grass. Birds chirp in the distance as he begins to explore this new land. Did anyone else survive? He hears only the distant call of crows and songbirds. Comes across an old man with a long white beard. Sure enough, he finds another. He finds me. We talk for a spell. There's a bit of the Bastion's power in the chest. Enough to point the way to the cores. The kid holds up the brat, the girl he liked. I try to let the kid down gently. 
This is the bastion, all right. Except no one else showed up. Finally, that core that the kid stole, it belongs to the monument in the center of the grassy area. The kid puts in the core inside the square slot, and the monument begins to glow. And just like that, the bastion comes alive. Wooden platforms begin rising and attaching themselves to the main square. They turn mossy and expand outward. Kid's got to put its power to good use. Now the bastion can send him even farther, into the wild unknown. The kid don't know what's out there waiting for him. Right, Eric, we're going to stop there. Um, we've kind of got an introduction to some really half of the characters in this game that we're going to kind of be. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on the story so far? I like it. I like that there's so much mystery, but there's definitely the idea that there uh, is lore here that there's more to be learned and that there was you know so many things had gone on before the kid woke up and all this thing all the stuff had happened he knows people that didn't make it and that impact is there when he has the the crystal that belonged to the girl he knew and and she didn't she didn't make it back to bastion so um it's cool it's i I love the mystery of it it's so cool like uh and i love that i'm realizing now that bastion has so little characters compared to like the newest Supergiant games, Hades, which has like just a huge cast of characters. Um, and, but both are done so well. And, and Bastion is, is so cool. I love that the narrator, you just like, meet him. Like it's so, you, you would think the narrator is this person that you'll never actually meet. It kind of just, sorry. I'll, I'll there we go. That you'll never meet, but ends up there. I, I like that he's a character. It's super cool. What, what do you think so far, right? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it does a really good job of kind of, again, throwing you in the middle of this. You're not arriving to save the day. You're arriving after after the, the this calamity, which is all we know that it's called, has already happened. Um, and now it's just getting to this place, this bastion where we know people are supposed to go. But you're the only one that makes it. Um, and then this, this narrator is telling you, well, you got to go get these things because I said so. Um, but I really enjoy it. I think it, it certainly falls into that kind of your silent protagonist who's collecting these things because you're told to. But it is elevated by the art and the music and the narrator that it is... You're not thinking about that you're just going to collect these kind of cores effectively because you're just so engrossed by this narration and it's so different than anything else that I've ever played. Mm-hmm. And I think too what helps it also is that the main character is a kid, right? Yeah. This is someone who's not very experienced with the world. I mean, it is, but like has more room for it to grow, you know? And so the idea of the narrator being like, you need to go do this stuff, I think would be exciting for the kid, even though they probably wouldn't, you know, they probably wouldn't even question it. You know, like, yeah, yeah I, that was awesome. I would totally do that, you know? like this is a kid carrying a gun and shooting monsters like you know like you know destroying monsters like that's i'm sure uh, you know that's exciting to the kid and you're probably not going to say anything anyway he's just going to go and do this like that's you know for that kid he's not going to question anything because he doesn't understand quite how the world works it sounds like which is cool which is cool and that it sets up a good story and kind of makes it more believable as to why the kid would just go off and do this yeah, it allows us to then be in the same level of the kid as we know some of what's going on, but we're learning in the same way that he does, which is is always narratively really interesting. Um, just a just to like the I condensed so moving forward from here, it's a lot of collecting these cores in a bunch of really lush and beautiful worlds. Some of them are really interesting and engaging. I didn't include them all in just because we could not do them justice um, without the music and the visuals, I think. We certainly could do our best, and I think it would make an enjoyable experience. But I think I wanted to really distill it down to kind of the core of this game. Um, so keep in mind there's going to be some sections coming up where we're just going to say, and the kid goes and collects some cores or in something along those lines. Just like we do with a lot of these games. It's it's really enjoyable gameplay, and it's really enjoyable spaces to go see, but it just didn't make sense for our um, the story we're telling. 
we can always hum the music if we have to. If the store girls <laughs> really want it. But we release the episode of... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wait, sure what do you mean it's worse? <laughs> <laughs> you wanted this. <laughs> That's what you asked Super Giant Games are suing us. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What do you mean we're making them look bad? <laughs> um, yeah, so just keep in mind that we're, we're doing a bit of a leap here uh, when we start back up. You'll have, you'll have maybe collected a certain amount of cores, but it, it, it doesn't really matter. You'll know when there's only one core left, and that's kind of what's most important. He heads for the biggest dump in town, Scumbag Alley. Some scumbags still feed off the city's own trash. Gershaw. This large blob body immediately heads for the kid. He's so large and he takes up so much space that the kid is forced to dodge and weave until he finally slices and dices Gershaw. The kid takes a look around. It's dead end again. There's no core in sight. He suspects the gas fills are probably hiding it from him. The kid returns to the beginning, this time headed up the north path, where the foreman used to live and tend to his flock. He slips through the security and finds a piece of fabric on the ground. One of the fellows leaves his ragged hood behind. He heads up the step, and there it is. But it's locked down tight in an alloy cage. The core hovers and shimmers in the cage, wondering how to get to it. The kid is distracted by more gas fellas who pop up out of nowhere in an old, larger gas fellia. This must be the foreman. Foreman spins around and around, trying to catch the kid off guard. It don't work. The kid just backs off and throws his machete, catches the foreman right in the face. The kid defeats the foreman. And now there's a new marshal in town. The other gas fellas scamper off, scared and unsure. Now that their leader has been defeated. The cage to the core disappears, and the kid picks up the core and puts it in his bag. It's time to head back home. Once he's back, he immediately inserts it into the monument, just like before. He comes back, just like I knew he would. The core hums in his pack. The monument's calling for it. The wind bags used to be alright. Then the calamity took the floor out from right under him. A lot of things need fixing up in this world. And we could start right here. Kid takes time to sample spirits from my personal supply before heading out again. I picked up traces of other cores while the kid was out. I told him where to go next. The narrator's direction, the kid continues to search different areas and collecting cores and bringing them back. There are plenty of windbags, gas fellow squirts, and other things for him to fight. He always makes sure he's careful where he steps. Memories of olden days flood his mind, except he finds no one else. He gathers the cores and then brings them back to the bastion. The kid searches the ruins of Caledonia looking for more cores to power Bastion. He finds one, loses another, but he can't shake the thought. Who else could have survived the calamity? The kid heads to the Hanging Garden in search of more cores. The Hanging Garden are dark and abandoned. The roofs are just torn rags. He pushes deeper into the area until he spots a figure standing in the distance. Pure white skin with black hair. Kid sees him there gape in the flesh. The kid begins working his way towards the motionless figure. He makes his way through security and rubble barriers. He thinks silently as he fights. He's got so many questions after all. Just ain't got time for answers. They never say what it's like beyond the walls. Nordy, the bird boy, didn't make it. The Jossens, they didn't make it. Grandy Sr., Grandy Jr., they didn't make it. But him? He survived. Why? What makes him special? There's something lying on the ground. It's an Ura sigil. An insignia born by Uria people. Not many of them lived in the city anymore. Kid finds proof enough that man ain't from around here. He reorients himself and heads to collect the core, which is being guarded by more gas fellas. The Ura is standing and watching the kid collect the core. What do you say to a man who's seen too much? Kid hasn't a clue. 
but he says this. We have to go. Please. They head back to the bastion together, core in hand. He's a proper gentleman, that man. His name is Zelf. No hiding, he's an urn. Folks like him ain't ever got a common sight in Caledonia. He's relieved to see a living face or two. The kid and I introduce ourselves in kind. Both to him and to each other for the first time. While Zuruf sells in the bastion, the kid takes me aside and shows me the Ura signal. I tell him we fought the Ura decades ago, but that was then. Things are different between us now. Zulf finishes his tent and notices the city crest on the kid's back. For Zulf, Caledonia is like a second home. He's real worried about his first home too. Far to the east. Then he spots the spyglass lane behind him. He takes a quick look through it, then offers to help me plot the skyways for the kid. At least the calamity hasn't touched the stars, he says. He spots the earth signal in the kid's hands. With a look of embarrassment, he quickly says he's been born into Tizal terminals. But the Ur sent him on a mission of peace to the city. He's lived there ever since. Silence between the three of us. Then the kid turns to put the core in the monument. The crystal barrette falls out of his bag. Zulf picks it up. We all lost loved ones in the calamity, he says. I don't know how I'm going to go on without mine. Kid keeps walking without a word. Places the core in gently. The cores, they remember. That's why this place is coming together. That's why things are going to be alright. The kid continues to explore the city in pursuit of more cores. Most of the areas are in shambles or and overrun by enemies. The orchard was built in honor of the Holy Bull, but praying didn't help this place or the people much. He leaves with the knowledge of finding Zulf's precious shrine, even if there wasn't a core there. He fights his way through hordes of windbags at Cinderbrick Fort, where the marshals used to watch over the city. He finds some precious grenades, but again, no core. He returns to the bastion, coreless, but at least he's got a story to share with Zulf. The kid heads out to Langston River to find the famous ferry barge, Weeping Nelly. They float through the river traffic. More windbags shoot their guns at the kid, but Nelly is undeterred until she eventually runs into a pile of rubble too big for even her to handle. Kid's gotta help her get untangled. Favors for favors. At least she picked a good spot for a break because the core is right there. Kid grabs it without hesitating. His mission's over. Time to get home. Nelly's in close. You should remember this next part. Why go to Prosper Bluff? Used to take an enterprising man or a plain old fool to venture out that far. The kid lands among the ruins of Prosper Bluff and walks along the few planks holding it all together. Peckers and Woodbags fight for little land left. The city was the most beautiful place in the world. We all knew that. But on the other hand, some folks just yearn to see the things they're told they can't. And that's why you go to Prosper Bluff. Ain't it? The kid walks among the ruins before he hears a voice and a song. There the kid hears something he ain't heard in a long while. Kid follows the song to find an Ura girl, sitting all by her lonesome, playing her harp guitar. Following the sound, and he's surprised. Came for a core and found a girl in an old journal. Suffice to say, kid ain't coming home empty-handed. He don't question what happened. He don't even worry about there being more Ura out there. Well, we never really had to ask. And besides, it's like the song goes, they'll be here before too long. We darn near celebrated when the kid got back, didn't we? Zulf never thought he'd see a fellow Ura again. We were beginning to think we weren't the only ones left. We became fast friends. Calamity has that effect on people. We almost stopped right there. We'd found just about everyone, but there was more to be done. There was one last core to find. One more before the bastion was complete. The kid excitedly shows off all the things we've gathered so far, including the journal he found with the girl. Her father's own journal. 
a scientific journal written in Zolf's native tongue. The kid gives it to Zolf to translate. So many secrets in there, and she came and read it. He learned so much from it. Too much. We never should have let him touch it. If only I'd known half the secrets of the Calamity were tucked away in that book. I'd have to work to translate it right away. I still regret not having done it. Kid's surprised when I tell him there's only one core left. I shouldn't have believed it either. We tracked the final core beyond the city to the wilds. Hey, Derek. We're going for our last core. What are oh, your no. thoughts so far? What are your feelings on... on we? Zelf, don't do it. <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna do. And very, very like, uh, very good job at like building up like something bad's about to happen here. Before, right before the goal is reached, at the final core, and uh, so I'm scared. I'm scared. It's, you know, as well, we do a great job here at Tales to write these scripts, but of course, you're you're seeing Zolf so much more than than you know when you're playing the game and you're interacting. You're kind of building this friendship with this person. You're seeing them a lot, so you kind of care about them. And so now to to see that. Zulf is reading this book that is going to somewhat uh, hurt him in a, in a way or change the way something's going to happen is what I'm trying to say. And it, and that's super sad. I, I actually forgot all about this. So I, I don't remember what happens. I know I definitely beat this game. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I beat this game. I know I beat this game. Um, but again, it's been like forever. So but Ryan, what do you think so far? Like, and again, fantastic job with the script. I love this. I hope I'm doing uh, uh, Lucas is it Lucas Logan. Logan, I hope I'm doing you justice. I hope I- <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Um, I really like it. I mean, I continue to just love the fact that the, it just kind of, and this is something that I think can be done really, really well in media or done not well, where it just like references things and does not explain them. It does not give you the time to explain them because you're in this world and you know what this means and you don't worry about it. And it's not really all that important. You just buy in and you keep going along with it. They keep telling us about these windbags and these creatures that the kid seems to have know of or not be worried about. And there are some there are some details there that you could learn, but it isn't – you don't need it. You you know what your goal is and you're going to move forward. And I love that it just keeps doing that. And the, the kind of foreshadowing that it does here where, again, the narrator knows more than we do is such an interesting plot mechanic. It's such an interesting narrative mechanic that – we have this like really exciting moment. We just found another person. We now are a team of four, and now we're gonna go get this last core. And then, you know, he tells you, "I I shouldn't have believed it either. Something bad is happening." That is just such a good hook for a story that you're mm-hmm. like, "What do you mean? I thought things were going so well." <laughs> and it's it's just it's really good, and and I really like it as a narrative a narrative piece. I think it's cool because like you make a great point with that, and I didn't even think about it really. I mean, I knew that that was like what was happening here is that you know obviously the narrator knows more than than we know right now as he's experienced this but then that's what i kind of realized right now is he's already experienced what we don't know has happened you know so whatever's happened he's he knows that the end outcome is uh which is so interesting i, I just yeah i love that it's a great hook that's like a, such a oh it's a good way to get you and uh i think you make the great point that like uh oh crap what was it what was my point i was gonna say something and i lost it uh, oh crap! I lost it. Sorry. No. What did you say? What did you say before the narrator part? I'm so sorry. Um, the foreshadowing part, or are you talking about the um, the, the yeah, finding another survivor? Um, yeah. What was I saying? Um, I forgot. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'll think about it. Uh, you know, I could it. always pause it and listen back if that would no, be helpful. No. <laughs> okay. No, right. it's okay. Um, Overall, I just I, I love that the I love that these characters are kind of you know beloved and like you, you see the the impact of like finding a survivor what that means so now that you know what is that going to mean that we found the survivor and something bad's about to happen with them 
Let's dive back into the wilds. Ooh. The wild outskirts are dense and overgrown. The plants look the plants look to be in constant battle with the pathway, slowly reclaiming the land as their own. Place can eat a man alive. Place so raw. Place is so raw, even the calamity couldn't cook it. Not all of it. Plants animals that survive the calamity are a challenge for the kid, but anything he can't handle. First, it's some brightly colored peckers, long red feathers like a macaw, then wallflowers. He finally grabs the core and pockets it. Now, to get out of the wilds. Getting that core is one thing. Getting out's gonna be another. He continues running into more enemy until he reaches Slinger Jawson's old outpost. There's a bunch of old stuff there that the Jawson boys left. Perfect for a little extra weapon power. He can use this. Here's a noise behind him. Pulls up a shield and bow. Gives a wallflower a taste of its own medicine. The kid makes it back to the entrance of the wilds with the core. He finally has the final core. It's time to go home. A feeling of relief sweeps over him, knowing that maybe everything will be okay. Kid knows something's up when we ain't there to give a warm welcome. See, Zelf and I were just wrapping up a heated discussion. Zelf can barely muster the words. The calamity failed, he says. But I will not. And with that, Zelf leaves us here, alone. The kid comes back to the Bastion Mayhem. The monument has been fractured in small pieces. Zelf had attacked Rux, the narrator, and destroyed the monument and fled in anger. Zelf cursed the city, cursed the Bastion, cursed me, and said he was going home. When Zelf got through reading that journal, he just snapped. Started smashing up the monument until I tried to stop him. The shards of the monument were scattered throughout the city. It's up to the kid to go out again into the city and collect them and bring him back to the Bastion. The kid immediately heads out. First stop, Jossum Bog. You'll get lost in that bog, I told the kid. And I won't be able to guide you back. Well, I let him go. What else could I do? What could any of us do? The bog is dark and damp. Moss covers the rotten floor. Little light comes through. The plants are thorny and leafless. The air swirls around, thick with pollen and noxious fumes. Zelf put us in a real bind. Hurt the bastion bad. But the shards can make it better. Kid spots the shard. A bright pink gem in the middle of a green scum pond. He reaches for the shard, but inhales too much of the air. He collapses right next to it and falls into a deep sleep. All I can do is watch as he falls asleep. Maybe for the last time. Don't know where he's gone. Might be gone for good for all I know. Wherever he is, it's somewhere I've never been. Somewhere I'd never want to go. The kid falls and lands in Prosper Bluff. He's shaken, but he has no choice to keep pushing forward. Unsure of where he's going, he still needs that shard. The enemies are used to the dark and nothing he's seen before. But slowly he learns how to defeat each one and finds the first shard. He returns home with it, the first of many. The kid continues to travel even further to collect the shards into areas even some of his enemies wouldn't dare travel. These places were the settings of folk tales that used to scare children at night. They had ankle gators, all sorts of scary beasts. They had an ankle gators and all sorts of scary beasts in the Rothus Lagoon. The biggest one the kid ever the biggest one the kid the biggest one that the kid stumbles upon is Queen Anne. They say she was bigger than the rippling walls, could break through a bullhead shield like hammer through wood, and she could pop out of nowhere and eat you like if you weren't behaving well. That ain't all exactly lies. Exaggerated to keep the bad kids in line, but still based off truth. Queen Anne has a shard the kid needs, 
so he has no choice but to fight her for it. She stays underground until she's ready to strike and loves the high grass to hide in. The kid finds something long and sharp. He has to find the Queen's Anne lair and grab that shard. He does dance with the Queen Anne. He doesn't want to be eaten, but wants to get close enough to grab the shard. He continues to jab at her, being careful not to go into the long grass where she can easily snap him up. Kid waits for her to stick her head out, then rolls and pokes her side. She starts to get annoyed. He keeps poking her, and now he's made her mad. Kid keeps rolling and dodging the queen's movements till his final stab. Rest in peace, Queen Anne. The kid takes the shard and heads home. It was a lot of trouble, but worth it. Queen Anne's reign is over. We even got her crown jewel. All that trouble for a single shard. But you know what? It was worth it. The next four shards present the same problem. He needs to be quick on his feet and quick-witted to avoid the wilds consuming him whole. But it's worth it. Fast forward a few shards worth of adventures and we see the kid deep in the Burstone Quarry. The kid just found another shard when he hears a voice calling from down the hall. I've come to warn you, he says. The Bastion is under siege. Let it fall. You should not go back. The kid rushes back to the Bastion. Panicked, scared, determined to defend it. The next part's hard to talk about, no matter how many times I try. Say what you will about Zelf, but he's a man of his word. His countrymen don't care much for pleasantries, though. Too bad for that. The kid arrives at the dark and shattered remains of the Bastion. Ura soldiers charge the kid. He's used to fighting windbags and beasts, but not people. Zolf showed them the way here, and here they came, to take revenge. They got inside the Bastion and shut the door. Kid's gotta go in through the back. To make matters worse, seems the Ura took the girl. Even if I tried... I wouldn't have been able to prevent that. The kid fights his way through the area around Bastion, trying to find a way in. When he finally does, it's not the same. The glow of the Bastion is faded in brown. Monsters and Ura soldiers clash. Unfortunately, they broke in. And then they started digging their holes. Something wrong sprung out of those holes. And it's eating away at this place. We tried to stop him. Somehow, some way, he sends those Ura packing. Problem is... It didn't matter. Zolf's plan worked. We find each other as the dust settles. And then I tell him why the Ura came. To get us back. For the calamity. It was Caldonia's master plan to wipe the Ura out. But part of that plan backfired, didn't it? If only Zolf knew the whole story. The shards can put this disease in remission. But there's only one cure. We need to finish what we started. The Ura swooped down from the east. At least now we know the way. Now all we need is one last shard. So Eric, the Bastion was attacked by Ura soldiers. Um, and we no. learned a little bit more about what the Calamity is. Um, and perhaps the reason why Zolf was so upset. It makes sense. Right? He thinks his people are being attacked and wiped out. Which is, I mean, was technically the plan, right? And now it feels like if Bastion is completed, it'll happen again, it sounds like. Um so I, I so I like that as little uh, that we know about Zolf, the motivations behind his actions make sense. And that's that's cool. And, and interesting they found these soldiers. I I you know, it's you know, for a calamity, I was like, Oh, I'm surprised he found sorry. Oh, I'm surprised he found these soldiers out of nowhere. But whatever. You kinda need the soldiers to attack Bastion, so it makes sense, yeah. And it sounds like maybe the Ura weren't affected in the same way the Caledonians were. 
True. Oh, true, true, true. By the clan. Yeah, that's right. That makes way more sense. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. See? You're putting the pieces together. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a yeah, shard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it makes sense. I like I think Zolf is a I like I like bad guys whose motivations you can understand. You know, and it's something he's very hurt by the idea that this was meant for his people. So he's trying to prevent that from happening again. It makes total sense. And like, I'm sure that if any of us were in that position and you knew that your loved ones are in danger of a potential calamity, you would probably do the same thing. You know, I'd be surprised if you didn't, but you mean, maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe you don't like your, your people. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know you. Do you, do you enjoy, Ryan, do you enjoy bad guys whose backstories you kind of know and can confide in like do you like i always hear like the best villain is the one that thinks that they're the hero and that kind of was what zelf looks like to me would you do you see that do you agree with that is that saying that quote yeah i mean i think if if a villain's actions are justified in some way it makes them a more compelling character um i think if if you can understand what their motivations are you can maybe in some way at least see from their perspective and see from their point of view so from zelf's point of view he his people were in danger um by whatever the Caledonians were doing. And this bastion is just another thing that they were doing. Um, so he's, he's doing what he can to stop this, stop his people from being hurt um, because he was a missionary from from Ura to the Caledonians. That was kind of his role. So yeah, certainly, I think I think that makes a more interacting, a more interesting um, character, villain, and and also any character. If you know their motivations and they make sense and their perspective is 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 one that you can understand, it makes those characters more engaging. Yeah, yeah. Villain for us from our perspective of the story, but really in his mind, he's the hero, saving his people and make sure it doesn't happen again. Makes total sense. Makes total, and that's what's cool about it. It's, yeah, it's hard because I sympathize with Zulf and his motivations. So it's it's interesting to see what will happen because obviously the kid's not going to let this happen. So, yeah. and Eric, I was I was just wanted to ask. I don't I know it's been some time since you played. Do you what is your thought? What is what do you think this bastion is? We're gonna we're gonna learn very soon. But do you remember or do you want to make any kind of guesses as to? as to what the bastion might be i have absolutely no idea <laughs> i i swear i beat this game <laughs> i'm not trying to put you on blast here i'm just trying to, to, to whatever ryan I'm see, gonna what your, see what your see what your your thoughts Hashtag are cancel eric because there's no bastion anymore <laughs> no i don't i don't remember i don't remember what bastion is for but I if I can take a, my best guess if I can somehow maybe my subconscious remembers and I just can't in my my consciousness I guessing it's a way to bring about uh, a connection between all of the peoples is my hope that is what Bastion is that Bastion is this way to connect people rather than tearing them apart is my hope but then again we just had a calamity so I don't know how true yeah that's and the be. narrator seems like really driven to like don't worry about all that we just got to get this Bastion we just got to get these shards. Um, something good, I imagine. It has to be something good. I would hope. Mm-hmm. This is another cla- <laughs> Calamity 2.0. <laughs> another one. Let's near, run it back. Near and the world again. to burn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's dive back into our, our, our final act here. Woo. One last shard. It's all we need but this mess behind us. And mother, what a mess it is. A mess like that could only have been made by hand. It took both Cal and Ura hands, but the mess was larger than anyone could have imagined. Blands and Ura lands. As he makes his way deeper, soldiers appear in the tall grass, forcing the kid to fight. Zulf said the calamity failed, and he's right. The Ura stand as living proof of that. At the heart of the calamity was a simple idea. 
We never wanted to go to war again. Wanted to rule it out. Make it so that the Ura can never be able to threaten us ever again. We put a lot of folks against that problem. Scientists, soldiers, spies, even me. We sought solutions far beyond the city. We traveled near and far as the kids going right now. Most of our efforts didn't bear fruit. Then there was a breakthrough, but it didn't come from one of our people. It came from an Ura, a brilliant young scientist named Ven. The kid makes his way deeper and deeper into Urlands, trying to find Zulf and the last shard to make everything right. Ven worked for the Mansers, the sharpest knives in the city's drawer. With his help, the Mansers devised a way to seal the Ura tunnels shut in a flash. Just like that, every last Ura living at the Tansel terminals would be gone. This discovery was never to be used, they said, except as a last resort. Each day, the kid moves closer and closer into the Uraran. Ura lands. The air is getting colder as snow falls. The last of the Ura stand in his path. But Ven didn't like being manipulated. He had plans of his own. He sabotaged the Mercer's little science project, set it to blow up in their faces. Imagine how Ven must have felt when they finally made him pull the trigger. We're lucky to be alive, but remember, the Bastion can fix everything. We just need that shard. Too bad the Ur ain't exactly been willing to collaborate on that front. The kid arrives in Ur lands, greeted by more soldiers that he is forced to fight. First things first, though. There's someone we figure needed rescuing. Zia. The Ura fell back, no doubt planning their next move. But we knew ours already. There's something we had to do before going after that shard. Zoltan's Hollow was the Ura's border blockade. At least it used to be. The kid arrives at an Ura compound and quickly kills the two Ura guards outside. Well, now it's personal, ain't it? It's personal for him. And it's personal for me. The Ura's border blockade ain't much to speak of. It's got a nice view. When the kid lands, he goes straight down to business. The Ur watch. They never saw him coming. The kid rampages through the Ur blockade, following the directions as he works to tear apart their protection from the Calamity. The Ur found a way to keep the Calamity from spreading through Zoltan's Hollow. They got their own security and everything. Pretty fancy, even. Still, they ain't used to having visitors around. They've got these conductors that are all what's keeping this place together. Break through enough of those things and the Calamity rocks slink back into the ground. Those rocks are like tumors. The same kind the Ur planted at the Bastion. Kids doing them a favor by getting rid of them. The kid moves from conductor to conductor, tearing it apart and bringing the Calamity to its original destination. As the world begins to decay and destroy around him, he pushes forward. By now, every Ura from here to the terminals must have known he's in town. They organized a welcoming committee. Kid returns their greeting tenfold. Most of the Ura's conductors are squared away in the middle of the hollow. They're easy targets. Those Calamity rocks must have been eating that place apart from the inside. The Ura keep hanging on to their blockade. After all... Their homeland's not much farther. Some of them are downright bewildered by what's happening. Maybe they know that they've lost this. Lost the kid. They underestimated us. Had us pegged all wrong. Yes, our people caused the calamity. But here we are trying to fix it. That makes us different from our people. Now don't it. Shame the opportunity for civilized discourse is over. The kid continues to push into Ura land, destroying the conductors 
and the Uro who stand in his way, looking for Zia and the last shard. Suppose old Zerf should have gotten to know us better. Maybe I should have trusted him. Told him everything I knew. Zolf, the Ura. They have every reason to be angry. Beyond angry. But when all this is over, it'll all be water under the bridge. The Ura sends wave after wave of soldiers and mechanical creations after the kid, but he doesn't slow down. He doesn't stop. As the hour grows desperate, the Ura bring out their big guns. Too bad for them, our guns are bigger still. There's nothing standing in his way no more. He sees the Tazzle terminals loom large in the horizon. All those dreams snuffed out in the calamity. We'll bring them back. Way out there at the edge of the world, that's where he finally finds you. But it ain't like Prosper Bluff this time. Ain't nothing for this gal to sing about now. Zia, you weren't kidnapped. No, ma'am. You just had to see what happened to the Ura, to your own people. You had to see if everything Zolf wrote to you was true. When the kid came back, with you right behind, he looked at me dead in the eye, handed me an Ura child's drawing, and angrily left to find Zolf. I put it away without a word because I didn't need to see what happened to the Ura. I was trying to undo it, remember? When he left, that gave us time to talk. Now that you knew what happened to the Ura, you wanted to know what happened to us. So I told you. And now here we are. Come full circle. I told you everything you wanted to know. Now it's your turn. I got a question for you. Sure you didn't drop that twangy thing on purpose. Just to see if he'd go after you. You wanted to know if I could... You wanted to know if we cared. Lizia back safely, the kid headed back into the terminal to face Zulf. Zulf, very soon the kid's going to have to face that man again, for the last time. They met on the worst day of Zulf's life. There in the hanging gardens he aimed to throw it all away. It wasn't the first time Zulf had nothing to lose. He was born to a simple Ura couple that didn't last long before the purge took them. He grew up hungry in the tunnels of the Tanzel terminals. So he took to stealing from a Caledonian. He took to stealing from a Caledonian mercenary living there. He once got sloppy with his thieving hands. The mercenary caught him, but didn't rat him out. Instead, he offered to take him in. That missionary raised Zulf like a gentleman, like he was his own son, taught him theology, history, and mercy. When the missionary passed away, Zulf promised to continue his work, to bring to bring about a lasting peace between the Ura and Caldonia. <clears throat> Zulf started teaching the missionaries' word, wisdom to any Ura who would listen, and listen they did. He advocated tolerance and argued that the Ura would atone for the war. He believed the city had much to teach his people. However, Zulf felt he could only do so much in the Tanzel terminals. He needed Caldonia to know the Ura had changed. He decided to do what the missionary did many years before. He left the city of his youth to brave a savage land. The journey was hard, but he knew how to fend for himself. At least at last, Zulf saw the rumbling walls on the horizon. He endeared himself to the city folks straight away, and in turn he fell in love with the city and its people. One in particular. This young lady was fascinated by the Ura, but she never met anyone like Zulf. She told them she knew all the city's best-kept secrets. The Hanging Gardens were their favorite spot. 
It was there that Zulf clasped her hands and proposed in proper Caldonian style. He celebrated with his friends long into the night. Joy and revelry like he'd never seen. Too bad he couldn't remember it all. He woke up alone underground inside the Ura Caldonian War Memorial, built like an Ura den. But something was wrong. He emerged from that hole in the ground into a waking nightmare. Everything that wasn't gone was twisted upside down. The world was frozen, air thick with ash. What few faces he saw on the street stared back at him with gray and vacant eyes. He found his wife to be asleep in her home. But when he reached out for her, she joined with all the ashes in the sky. And so Zulf returned to where he proposed in the hanging gardens. And there he stood, as if gods would answer him. So Eric, we've now learned a little bit more about Zulf and why he is so angry and upset at everything that's going on. Um, we've learned a little bit about Zia. So Zia was the daughter of that, of then that scientist, um, mm-hmm. which is why she was in Caldonia. Um, and she kind of is, is, is trying to figure out where she fits in all this. And then we have the kid who was, he worked on the, on the walls. That was his job. Um, he was just a kid working on the walls when all this happened. And now he's kind of taken on this, this, this larger than life task, um, to try and do whatever this bastion is going to do. What are your thoughts on these characters? And then we also have the narrator, but we don't really get a good sense of his character other than kind of, he believes that he can make things right. What are your, what are your thoughts on these characters? Yeah, no, it's, it's super interesting. I think the narrator, the, the fact that he knew more this whole time, um, it sucks that he wasn't more forthcoming. But I guess he had his reasons. He seems like he's like part of a smart... He seems like a smart person and he's part of the smart team that's trying to figure out how to end future wars. And, and his part to play probably did not help in Zulf's anger about everything that had happened. And I think Zulf as a character is so cool because he represents being um, open to just new things and being open to peace. And so, and, and so now I'm thinking about it as I'm talking, but like Zulf and Ruckus, is that his name? Narrator? Yep. Ruckus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Zulf and Ruckus, the narrator are, they were going after the same exact goal. And because of Ruckus and his group's methods to achieve that goal, it kind of ruined everything in Zulf's life. And Zulf was actually going about it and arguably, I would argue the right way, right? He was, he went to their city. He fell in love with it. He was advocating for peace. Um, fell in love with a Caldonian woman. Um, and so now his whole world has been taken from him. And Ruckus is there. And I feel like, I don't know, Ruckus isn't exactly... Uh, he has a lot of blood on his hands. He's a part of this. He's, you know, And I don't think... And it sounds like Ruckus understands Zulf's anger. To, to me, at least, I think he understands. He doesn't sound... He sounds upset that everything that's happened, obviously, but he sounds like he gets it. Like he he understands, and I almost feel like he sympathizes with it. But I can be totally off. What do you, do you what do you think, Ryan? Do you feel like Ruckus like, sympathizes with himself, even though he knows what he's doing is wrong? I think so. I think he certainly sympathizes. I think what we're going to find out is Ruckus believes so completely that this bastion will make everything better that it's going to any problem that's happened any bad thing that's happened will just kind of be washed away and that'll kind of absolve him and everyone else of of what has happened so i think because of that he is he certainly understands zolf's anger he understands why the Uro people would be angry they have every right to be there was a plan to effectively commit genocide on their people that was 
that this was built only in case of emergency and then the caldonia is like well let's just do it so we don't have to worry right like that's so we don't we don't so we don't have to fight a war again we're just gonna wipe them out um it, it led to this calamity that ended up wiping out the caldonians um it, and as well as uh, the ura um in some way so yeah, it seems like so much of would would have been solved if Ruckus was forthright um, with all of the characters about what was happening um, in a way that he hasn't been yet. Um, and I, and it's inter- and you just want to know why, I guess, as why he hasn't shared that. And maybe maybe there's a good reason, but um, it'll be it's interesting to see. But yeah, I think Zolf is a really interesting character. Zia, we didn't get a ton of characterization in the script because she was a really meaningful character, but it, it just didn't fit in the, the pieces that it was. It was a lot of like, you take an item back to her and she explains that item to you and about how that she loves Caldonia and she doesn't really know the Ura at all. And that she's happier, in some ways she's happier now than she was before. She's found a family that's more meaningful. She's found people that's more meaningful now than she did before. And the kid is just kind of a sound protagonist. But um, yeah, there it's, a, it's an interesting little cast of characters. I think you see the ignorance too in, in Ruxus's character because, like, like you said, he believes that the Bastion is going to fix everything. But for Zolf, who's lost his his loved one, you know, this person that he loved more than anything, yeah, you know, she's not coming back. I don't think the Bastion's going to bring her back. I could be totally wrong. I could totally be forgetting things. Uh, I'd be the game, I swear. But you know, I think for for Zolf, like, things are, this is not going to fix everything, and and that's kind of where that anger lies. He doesn't know about the he doesn't know the Bastion's going to fix anything, but like, still, I think he, you know. Still feels burnt, obviously, for obvious reasons. All right, well, let's jump into the end of Bastion, or the end couple sections. The kid lands in the terminal, where the last of the Ura, Zolf, and the Shard are held up. He's going to have to fight his way inside. I can't hear him at all anymore. He's too far away. But he'll be all right. Just needs to get that Shard from Zolf and come on home. The calamity hit the Tanzel Terminal's hardest of all. It's something to think about. Here in Caledonia, where it's only the four of us, we still didn't take the worst of it. You gotta wonder what happened to the Ura. You know why Zulf went back there. That place was his home. All of his old friends and family were there. Taken by the Calamity. Zulf must be there alone, just waiting. The kid fights through the heavy defenses of the terminal. You know what's funny? Zulf's waiting. We're waiting. The Ura, the animals... All of us are waiting for a kid. Look around. There's not much left to do here in Bastion, I'm afraid. So why not tell each other stories to pass the time, right? But Zia, there's another reason I've been telling you all this. There's something I want you to understand. When the kid brings back that shard, the Bastion will be complete. This disease the Ur planned here will go away. What happens to Zolf will no longer matter. Caldonia will be whole again. Everything will be back to normal. Everyone will be all right. The problem is, we'll all be gone. The kid flies through the air on a moving platform and slams in a group. He fights and fights in the Ura Fall as he switches through the series of weapons and armaments. Oh, we're not going to die. It's more like all of us just stop. Things will go back to the way that they used to be. That's the power of the Bastion. This whole place is a living record of the times before the Calamity. The cores, the shards, they remember. The way things were before this story. Good times, right? You'd be your old self again. Think of all those times that didn't go your way. All of life's little setbacks. 
Imagine if you could have another go at them. No mistakes. Anyone you've ever hurt. Everything you've ever done. You can do it over. And wouldn't that be grand? Wouldn't you agree? Well, I guess there's nothing more to say. Oh, who am I kidding? Look, there's something else. A confession. How come I know so much about the Bastion? Well, I designed the place. But that's besides the point. There's one problem with a place that sets things back to bygone time. You can't test it. So you're probably wondering, what's to stop it from happening again? After the Bastion does its thing. The answer is, I don't. Kid arrives at the hold where the last shard is kept. He activates the switch and makes his way towards the gate using a massive batting ram to bash down the walls. You're wondering if there ain't some other way out of this mess. It's alright, I can tell. But why would you even want another way, um, unless... Unless you wanted to stay here. With us. That's sweet and all, but... I don't know that I could stick around. The weight of the calamity. It's on our shoulders. We can't just let it go. The Bastion does have another function. Strictly speaking. If ever the monument blew out and we couldn't repair it, we could still... Evacuate. First we round up as many folks as we can carry. Next we detonate the cores. And we take off. Away from here. Of course that would mean... No going back. Ever. But then again, that way all of us could leave the city together. Nick arrives at the last destination, the location of the Shard and Zulf. Everything he needs to take it back to rewrite history and undo all this mess. You know Zulf and his countrymen won't be giving up that Shard without a fight, don't you? Zulf and the Ura, all they want now is to see the Bastion fall. Zulf dedicated his life to a lasting peace between the Ura and, the Ka- and Caldonia. He can't have imagined the city would try to wipe the Ura out. The kid spots the last shard in one of the Ura soldiers and pursues them. They dash and dodge, trying to escape the kid's wrath, but he doesn't stop. He chases them down. He defeats the Ura and they fall, the shard free, but another picks it up and runs. The kid pursues. One after another, he fights, wave after wave of Ura, who want him and the Bastion to fall. Zulf ain't lost every shred of decency, though, has he? He tried to warn you about his plans. He tried to warn the kid. For Zulf, this ain't a personal matter. It ain't a simple matter of pride, either. One thing's for sure. The Ura can't be happy that the kid followed Zulf all this way home. The kid finds Zulf lying on the ground, his body abandoned. The Ura seem to have turned on him as things grew desperate. What's the kid going to do? So, Eric. Zulf is left there, and you have a choice. You can pick up Zulf and carry him out. You've got the shard. Carry him out. But that means you're unarmed. You're, you cannot use your weapons and carry Zulf at the same time. Or you leave Zulf behind and you finish off these Ura who are trying to stop you. And that's the choice the kid has here. Um, And also, I think one of the really interesting things here is we learn, we again are are affirmed that this narrator does not know everything. Because here he said, you're going to have to fight Zulf. He's probably, the kid's probably fighting him right now. But we know as the player, that's not true. So we, it's been established that he is not a reliable narrator. He cannot, he is not always necessarily telling the truth because he is not omnipresent. So we, we just have to trust his word. But just, just keep that in mind as, as we move towards the end of this game and understanding that everything that he's told us is just what he believes and is not necessarily law. But what, what do you think here? What would, what would you think you would do? Would you save Zolf even after all he's done? Um, keep in mind that the kid doesn't know Zolf's backstory necessarily. Um, Zia and the narrator do, but the kid might not. 
um, because we don't know how much conversation was there. And right. this also means would, you're going to... Yeah, what do you think? I would like to believe the kid would save Zolf. I'd like to think that he finds some kind of compassion for Zolf in the, in the times they had together. And granted, he doesn't know his backstory, but I feel like... I, I don't know. It's hard. I feel like the kid would do the right thing. Because he, he's, he's tough. He does, he does everything the hard way because it's the right way kind of mentality. And the hard way is carrying Zulf out of there without any weapons. Without being able to use any weapons. Me personally, I would also save Zulf. Now I know his backstory, you know. And the, <laughs> I just don't feel good about the narrator now. I don't feel good about Ruckus at all. Like he, It's interesting. Now we, the players, caught up to the story. And we know just as much as Zulf. I'm sorry, just as much as Ruckus now. You know, now we, we are, you know, it's almost like we are competing to be the narrators in the terms of the player and Ruckus um, and how we are omnipresent and know more now than the narrator does. How That's a, such an interesting dynamic. Like, that's so cool. I wonder if that was intentional or not. I don't know. But like, and what, what are your thoughts? Do you think the kid would save Zulf? And, and would you save Zulf? It's really hard because it, by saving Zulf, you are putting yourself in more danger, which then means that shard that you're protecting is in more danger. So mm-hmm. it's 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 tough. It's a really tough decision. I think I because like we all think we are good and kind people. I think I would also try my best to save Zolf yeah, if I could. Yeah, so true. But so in true. that situation, I I don't know if I would if I would do that if I knew if I if I either I can have my weapons and I know I can get out here safely, or I can help this person and maybe I can get out here safely. Again, the kid doesn't know what the Bastion does, so he doesn't know all of this information. He doesn't know that time will be rewound in some way, but we don't know how or when. Um, he doesn't know all this. He just knows he needs to save this Bastion can somehow undo things. Yeah, it's it's really tough. It's a really tough decision. And it's it's such an interesting... You only get, I think, two decisions in this game, like meaningful story ones, and this is the first, and it's really interesting. Um, and it's it's a really good one. And one of the things as we're going through this, and we'll t- I'll talk about this more at the end, but I'm seeing these like really cool parallels that I've never seen in this game from other games we've talked about, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. So we'll Oh, cool, cool. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. I won't. Yeah, I won't. That's cool. Okay, I'm excited to see what parallels you come up with. That's cool. The kid throw down his massive ram and throw Zolf over his shoulder. He's going to have to move slow and won't be able to fight back while protecting Zolf. I can see it now. The kid's on one corner and Zolf in the other. Ain't much of a fight. Don't you worry, though. Once the bastion is restored, it'll all be alright. Although... After talking it over like this, I guess I'm beginning to have my doubts. The kid slowly walks through the Ural lands as they fire an attack. Slow and unable to defend himself, he can't do anything but push through the pain. He's got the shard, now he just needs to escape. You ain't still thinking about that whole leaving the city thing, are you? The kid endures unimaginable pain as he is attacked by the Ura trying to escape. You're a watch and fire. They see the kid isn't fighting back. They stop fighting and they just watch. Perplexed by what's going on, they allow him to pass and safely return with Zulf in hand. The kid's probably dealt with Zulf by now. He reminds me of myself when I was his age. I ever tell you about those days? Hey, kid. Kid lies on the ground and tries to get up. He's hurt. Badly hurt. Come on. That ain't funny. I said get up. The kid slowly gets to his feet. That's more like it. Now, said that shard of the monument there. Then we'll talk. Kid walks up and puts the shard in the monument. It chimes and comes to life. The Bastion. It's finally finished. As the Bastion comes to life, all the damage slowly starts to fade and returns to its serene and peaceful state. Now, there's something I want you to see. The kid now stands. 
deep within the bowels of the Bastion. Welcome to the heart of the Bastion. I hate one for long goodbyes, so here's the deal. Z and I figure you've done the heavy lifting. Now you get to do the honors. Ruckus and Zia stand on either side of the Bastion's core. We can tell you how to work this thing if you have any questions. Kid has to choose. Turn back time and do it all again. Blow this thing and stay here with Ruckus, Zia, and Zolf. Zia encourages him to stay and travel the world together. Ruckus suggests turning back time, doing it again. Undo all the bad things that he you may have done and bring everyone back, but it may happen all again. What will the kid choose? Uh, so Eric, I didn't, I, I, I have an ending here, um, but mm. I think I kind of want to talk it through first because um, the ending that's showed in this playthrough is different, is is a certain ending, um, and I don't know which ending I have choose, but I, I've, I've included um, that ending here. Um, but what are your thoughts on the overall story and where we are? And what do you think you would do? Um, oh, man, it's hard to know, especially because he's a silent protagonist. A lot of it is like your own personal, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of the kid yourself. It's hard. If I think about the kid's characteristics, he's this tough, tough kid with a heart of gold. You know what I mean? I, I, th- I think he would probably... I don't know. I don't know. I want to say he would want to save the most people so he would turn back time. I'm not sure, though. I feel like that's the right answer. But then again, he and Z are very close. So I, I don't know if that would play into it. It's hard. I don't know. What, I don't know what he would do. For me personally, I think I wouldn't turn back time. I think as sad as it is of everything that happened, I think that it's I personally try to live in the present. I have a horrible time thinking about the past. I'm one of those people that like, you know, like a lot of people, you're just trying to fall asleep. And you have that awful memory that, you know, from that one time when you were 11 years old and something awful happened and you're just like, ah, you know, so I try my best to just live in the present. So I don't think I would turn back time because I just, I wouldn't, and plus I wouldn't trust it. I don't know anything about the Bastion. I don't know. I don't know anything about Ruckus. I, I'd like to, or Rux, I mean, I'd like to, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't trust that. So what, but what about you? What do you think? And I think also like it's, it's been established and I think they did a great job doing this, that he doesn't know either, right? He doesn't know oh, exactly right. what's going to happen. And the parallel I'm thinking of is is The Last of Us, right? Where there's this person who thinks they can fix everything, but they're not sure. But you have to oh, sacrifice, right? You have to give up yeah. this life. You, we all have to give ourselves up in order to turn back time that it might work. Or we just live in this time now and we go off and um, this, this was a tragedy and it was terrible. But ultimately, there's nothing we could do to guarantee it wouldn't happen again. So we're yeah. going to go all through all this and then maybe it'll happen again anyway. And maybe we won't be successful next time. Um, it's this really interesting question of, you know, it's do you do you choose to you know believe this this person who seemingly believes in it fully, but he's been established as unreliable. You know, he doesn't have all the information he shared with us. He doesn't know for sure. Or do you, you know, this is the life you've lived and this is the experience you've had. Do you go with Zia? But that also means everything you've done, you have to live with mm-hmm. the the, mm-hmm. the Ura that you've killed. The people that you've hurt or injured to achieve this goal, um, does that is that all for nothing then? Because ultimately you're just then going to leave it all behind. Um, you probably so, forget too everything, right? Like if they go back in time, they're yeah. So everything, this. yeah. Every this is this is all as if this never happened, and we don't get a ton of diesel. I think that's on purpose um, that we don't get it, so we're imagining what it might happen. But yeah, you, you don't know. It, it could just be that it rewinds back to you know ten years in the past. And you just live it all again. But who's to say? Why, why would anything then be different? Why wouldn't, right, why right. wouldn't the calamity just happen again if that knowledge doesn't go with you? And maybe 
the belief is maybe that knowledge does go with you, but again, it's never been tested. It might not even right. work. And then we're here in the same position. So it's it's a really interesting, I think, narrative and also like a almost like a um a moral choice that has to be made. And I think it's an interesting one. And make a good point too. If they do go back in time and it happens all over again, they don't remember any of this. It's just they're gonna be stuck in the same situation over and over and over and over and over again. They'll just be stuck in time during this time loop where it just perpetuates and they can never stop it because they just don't know. They never can learn from their experiences. They go back in time again and then it all happens again. They turn Bastion on and go back in time again. So like, and that's even, I think it's even a sadder fate than, than just living through everything that's happened and moving forward. I don't know. That's, yeah, that, I definitely would, would not turn on Bastion. I, I, I feel confident now thinking of this through. Yeah. Because yeah. we also don't know if this is the first time this has happened, right? As far as we know, right. this is just our experience of it. But there's no way to know that this doesn't hasn't happened all again, um, and which is which is just interesting. And then everyone has to live through that painting. And yeah, it's it's a really interesting, I think, narrative. So what we can do is, Eric, I've written in the ending where you choose not to um, turn back time. We can read that, and then we can talk around our overall thoughts of the story. So if, if cool. you want to finish this off with one more paragraph, if your voice can take it. Oh, mother, and here I figured you'd had enough of me by now. You could have undone the calamity itself, but instead you want to stay. In a world like this, I gotta admit, kid, I haven't put much thought into that idea of carrying on with you here. We can't go back no more, but I suppose we could, wherever we please. If anyone is left out there, I sure would like to see the look on their face when we dock this thing right at the doorstep. Getting ahead of myself, though, I'm going to need a first mate. What do you say? Amaris, the ending, if you if you choose. And I, I didn't I didn't include the other ending, so that's that's what we're, that's what we're going with. Um, cool. So, Eric, yeah. that's that's the story of Bastion. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the story as a whole and um, returning to it after 10 years it's been out? Yeah. No, yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's such a good story. I miss this. I miss that. I, this makes me want to go back and play it now. I think I'm, after this, I'm really going to go download this on my <laughs> Switch. Uh, I'll beat Breath of the Wild first. I, I'm in that mode that mode to beat it. But mm-hmm. um, Bastion is just... I. Yeah, what a good story. I, I forgot about all the options. Oh, not all the options. You know, only a few. But I forgot the impact of these options. And I forgot that... I'm pretty sure I didn't... I mean, I beat this game. I cannot <laughs> tell you enough. I know I beat this game. I forgot what I chose. But I think I, I think I would still pick the same thing back 10 years ago. I don't think I'm, I'm definitely different than I was. But I think morally, I haven't changed super ton. You know, so I would like to think I didn't turn back time. But then again, 10 year, uh, Eric from 10 years ago... Could have been super stupid, and I just can't remember. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember ten years ago. Yeah. So, um, but like, I think I I'm glad that we came to the same conclusion, Ryan. It seems like we we are very similar in that regard that we thought this through, and and that's I think the healthier ending is knowing kind of both both choices. You just don't know, right? The the, the unknown is very real for both choices, but I think one choice stands out as just being extremely unknown and and potentially horrifying in terms of time loops god that sounds awful um then just just living living on you know and and um i guess i'm most surprised i'm i'm really excited about zelf so is it confirmed that he he's dead like zelf no so he when you when you bring him in this last you it doesn't ever mention it because i think it they just didn't do dialogue for it but in the last like still image 
of this ending. You see Zolf on the airship with you as as you're taking off. So he he's alive and well. And he uh, that that's tough though because now he has to live with that experience. But I think one of the things that um I, I think this ending does is it forces all of the characters to kind of live with that guilt of what they've done instead of just absolving them of it because I think that is I think one of the reasons that Ruckus felt so strongly about this is because he could make it all better he could turn it all back everything would be fine and then he wouldn't have to think about all of the horrible things that have happened but I think maybe better would be facing those things and um, having to deal with the ramifications of our actions and this this gives me another parallel Ryan you've inspired me with these parallels this is a spoiler for giving me not covered Bioshock Infinite if you have not played Bioshock Infinite and you want to play it please skip like a minute ahead maybe two just to be safe um so here's spoilers spoiler alert okay that's special alert um this gives me a strong parallels between um father comstock and booker dewitt right when when booker in the timeline where he absolves his sins i say that in air quotes by baptizing himself he then feels that if all those killings that he had done onto the native americans that he had killed all the people he killed throughout his life through the Pinkertons and, and whatnot in the war, um, he became a whole new person. But a whole new person was Father Comstock, who did a lot of awful things. He rose to sitting in the sky. That's a pretty huge accomplishment, but he's a super jerk. So just because you absolve your sins doesn't make you a better person. In fact, in this case with Booker DeWitt and Father Comstock, he becomes, an, I mean, arguably an even worse person than when he didn't absolve his sins and rather worked through that pain himself. Um, and I mean, as a, I always go back to some, so sorry, it's probably annoying. As a therapist, I would say that that's, a much healthier thing to do too. We all all go through different things. We never understand each other's experiences, but we can understand the emotions behind those. Um, and truly understand that like when you have something that you feel that you have done wrong onto yourself or someone else, or someone has wronged you in some way, shape or form, obviously that's not okay, but you yourself deserve to work through that and deserve happiness in that, in that, you know, in that goal of being happy. So hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful story. It's so cool. I, I love that. It's a, I like that ending the most. I, I forget obviously what happens when you turn back time, but I can imagine it's very similar to what we can think of, obviously. Yeah. 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 So, but, but yeah, so, overall, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, so, so overall, Brian, what do you think of the story? I, yeah, I mean, I love, like, I love the story. It's really charming. It's really sweet. It is asking some really big questions in, mm-hmm. in what is like this small package. I love the idea of the narrator. I think as a narrative plot, as a narrative tool that is so interesting to have this person talking throughout the whole story. He's effectively retelling the story to Zia as you're playing it. And that, that is the yeah. juxtaposition. Of of the but I love the I love that moment when he's saying, Oh, he's he's probably beating up Zolf right now and you have like Zolf <laughs> on your back and are getting shot. Like I, I just love that juxtaposition of the him not knowing everything, but up to this point we believed everything he said. And now, yeah. right before the ending, when we have to either trust him or not, he's he's unreliable. And I think that is yeah. just such a smart narrative decision in their in their design. And I think that's incredible. Yeah, I would love to see a sequel to this and see how the relationship blossoms based on like a previous save. Like you have to go back in time and something is wrong. You you know you remember, but you have to stop this. That would be really cool. That would be really. I mean, that'd be a huge undertaking, obviously. But um, I like or if they just picked one of these endings as canon, you know, and went for and went further with it. I would love to see that because obviously the relationship between Zolf and Ruckus is probably very strained, you know, and you know, and I'd love to see what happens with Zia and the kid. Like that's just. You know, I don't, I don't foresee super, super giant games going back to this. I think they like to move forward and make new things. And, um, and plus, it sounds like this game, you know, based on your ending, ends in, I mean, arguably, if you pick the right one, ends in a really beautiful <laughs> way. Yeah. Uh, so it really is no need for that. But I would love to 
get more of these characters one day. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, well, that's Bastion. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Bastion. Yeah, story goes. That is Bastion. Hopefully you liked it. Hopefully you picked the right ending. Uh, <laughs> and you enjoyed <laughs> you enjoyed our retelling of it. Uh, my throat is bleeding, I'm pretty I'm sure. Pretty, yeah, you, you did very good. There was a lot. <laughs> the ending was very voice heavy. You did a really good job. That was that's Thank a you. tough, gravelly, gruff voice to make and i won't have to do any editing because you did so well with it i won't have to change Aww. your voice even a bit i'm yeah thank you yeah thank you, you such a good i will job. i will say the more you do it the better it sounds i think because it gets your voice more <laughs> it or ruins your you strain yeah. Dry. yeah yeah so honestly yeah. the more i did it the better i feel like it came out it was just hard to get it out you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. but no just hurt. Right, you did a fantastic job on the script Thanks. i loved it it was great it was fantastic um worked really hard on it so thank you so much for doing that yeah as always uh and <laughs> You storygoers, I would hope to, you would send us your thoughts, feelings, and or perspectives to us at talesinthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are what? I hope you said threes. Threes. <laughs> threes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you're driving on the, on the highway going home and you say three out loud. I would make us so happy. <laughs> and then uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. I want to take a quick minute also to shout out all the people that have been listening to us around the world. It is crazy amazing there's someone uh i mean canada is always getting up there australia too we don't get a whole lot of demographics about the about europe but i see that you know uh, poland and france and spain are always people always countries that are, are downloading our episodes and listening to them which is fantastic we had people in brazil um and we also had i want to say for us in the for those of us in the u.s there's people in nevada and illinois that are still like just absolutely Champions. downloading so many episodes it's awesome <laughs> yeah. also florida and california which are really big ones wow. for us now too which is yeah yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. it's it's super cool i mean for a long time it was just maine because we live in maine and then <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason maine was the biggest ones even though i don't Ryan, do you ever listen to our own episodes when you i yeah i listen to our episodes or at do least you? yeah oh, okay. they're always downloaded but yeah i listen to them yeah but I, that would that would only be one download or one yeah, listen every yeah. every week I used to, but then I kind of stopped because I hate the sound of my own voice. So I was like, no, I'm done. I don't want to listen to it anymore. So, but it must be two, two downloads. But Maine always had the most for us. But now it's being out there like Nevada's been number one this month. Oh, like, that's it's, incredible. It's been crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's only been, I mean, Illinois is right, I always say Illinois. Illinois is right behind it. Like in, in Florida and California are out there in like the higher digits for us, which is fantastic. It's just so cool. Yeah. yeah thanks, it's, Thank you, story goer, so much. And, and if we didn't shout you out, just know that we'll we'll try next time. We, you know, it's I don't have the demographics right in front of me. I don't want to take the time to, to pull up. But I just, <laughs> at the top of my head, you know, any story goer out there listening to us, we sincerely appreciate it. Um, and and honestly, this is, sounds like a, a ploy to get you to rate us. But if you would love to leave a review for us, we would love to read that. And not not even just for the five stars. It doesn't. Really, I don't really. I don't think we care about the five stars as much as it would help us, obviously. But I think hearing. Uh, what you like, what you don't like would really mean a lot to us. I think that's kind of what gives us a, a pep in the step, pep in our step. It gives us some, some kind of energy to really continue <laughs> doing this, which isn't like needed, but it's always appreciated, yeah. I think. Does that sound right, Ryan? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. it certainly yeah. just, it, it inspires us to keep wanting to work harder and make these scripts because they, they take some time. Um, but yeah. that yeah. that inspiration kind of helps make it a little easier. For sure, yeah. Our last one is like a couple months ago that we got as a... a uh, a five-star rating and someone left a really nice comment for us and i remember that day was for, for some reason it was a harder day I, I just had a motivation to write the script for whatever i was working on and just reading that i literally felt like this rise in energy and 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 inspiration and it just felt so good so um 
please don't. It's not about the five stars. If you want to e- email us and, and leave something for us to read, uh, not even on the show, if you want to give us kind words or, or suggestions and feedback, that would always be appreciated. So deals on the cartridge, gmail.com, all these are threes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're doing well and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. It's funny that we always wave. <laughs> no, I can see it. It's for us. <laughs>